Hi everyone, this is Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Kesari Thakali, Assistant Professor at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, and Aaron Stupika, Scientific Product Specialist at DMT, who recently joined us for a webinar to discuss techniques and best practices for tissue bath myography and present a unique case study looking at the effects of maternal obesity on offspring perivascular adipose tissue and vascular function. Let's jump right in. first question today is, what is or how do you get the most effective normalization approach? How many steps are too many steps? Aaron, do you want to lead this question? Yeah, certainly. It kind of de- it depends whether we're talking about rings or muscle strips. With rings, it's going to be totally fine. It's hard to have too many steps in the normalization approach. You just don't want to significantly overstretch your tissue but that would be fairly obvious as responses are going down and down. However, with striated tissue or muscle strips, they can get overstimulated if you're using a stimulator to for your normalization. Part of that step, though, is to find the minimum current or voltage that would evoke a response. So you have a, you have a good chance to lessen that likelihood. However, this question does sound somewhat like it might be from an audience member that is using our myograph. In that instance, if you're using the the normalization module, you can't really have too many steps. It just depends on how much time it will end up taking because it takes about a minute per step. So you could end up taking a little bit too much time uh, out of your experiment. Okay, perfect. And Kesari, do you have anything to add to that? I just would say that for our contractility experiments where we're using strips of tissue, we usually do two steps once we've figured out what our optimal length is for stretching. And that seems to work pretty well for us. Perfect. Okay, thanks. And so the second question is, how would you test the response of an aorta to pathogenic stress such as high blood pressure? Kesri, maybe you could start for this one. Yeah, this is a really great question, and I think this highlights the usefulness or how you can use this system to really study diseases like high blood pressure. So the way I would set this up experiment is that you would have two animals, one that has high blood pressure through whatever means that you choose to induce high blood pressure and one that doesn't. And since the TOBS has four chambers, you can set up where you'd have one chamber having one tissue from an animal with normal blood pressure and then one tissue from an animal without high blood pressure. And then If you're looking at contractility or endothelial function, you really have a control for each pathogenic animal there. Okay, great. And so, Kaser, you talked about potassium chloride a little bit in your presentation. Is it essential as an agent of pre-contraction? And how should it be administered? Again, this is a really important question. So I talked about using KCL to really wake up your tissue and to assess viability, but you can also use it like if you're wanting to look at endothelial function, typically we pre-contract our tissues because if there's not this basal tone on the tissue, then it's hard to see any relaxation. But it's not essential to use KCL. You can use many other any other contractile agent either for assessing tissue viability or for pre-contracting to assess endothelial function. So I provided an example where you could use norepinephrine, but it also depends on what sort of receptors and whatnot are present in your tissue. So an anecdotal experiment or experience for me is that I used to study 
the veins, like the um, venous physiology. And veins have a different complement of adrenergic receptors than arteries. And so they don't contract very well to phenylephrine, which is an alpha-1 adrenergic agonist, but they do contract very well to norepinephrine. So it's going to depend really on the tissue you're studying and some of the questions that you're... I don't know if Aaron has anything to add. Yeah, I would agree that you certainly do not, ha- it's not, KCL is not essential as an agent of pre-contraction. The one that we recommend is a, a high potassium PSS buffer, but you can use many different ones as, as Kasri mentioned. As far as how it should be administered, you can add it actually directly into the bath. As long as you have the gas bubbling going, that, that does a very good job of mixing up the bath and distributing that agonist. Perfect. Great answer. So, Next question. Yeah, somebody wants to know what is the, the greatest challenge in the use of coronary and cerebral artery using this system? Aaron, do you want to provide your input first? Yeah, sure. I would say that size is going to be the greatest challenge here. Each pin that would have to go through a, the artery is 200 microns. So you would need a, a vessel that's a minimum of 400 microns. So these vessels might be a little too small for this system. The 620M, which I briefly mentioned, might be more appropriate. I think Kayseri might have some other insight. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Aaron. Especially if you're talking about coronary and cerebral arteries from the mouse, they're pretty small in size. And so carefully dissecting these tissues is a pretty big challenge and just not handling them too much. But in my experience with using these tissues, the MyGraph or an isolated perfusion system are a little bit more useful in studying these vessels because they're so small. Perfect. Great. So we have another question about coronary arteries. How would you separate intact coronary arteries from a mouse heart? Aaron, maybe you could start this one. Unfortunately, coronary arteries are going to be a little beyond my pay grade. I think Case 3 might be the expert on these. So I haven't actually published anything, but I have had a little bit of experience isolating mouse coronary arteries. So that silastic dissection disc that I mentioned during my experiment is really what would be really helpful to dissect off the mouse coronary arteries. But again, having just really good tools like those fine Dumont number five forceps and a really fine pair of iris scissors and having very good steady hands is probably your best bet. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks. And so we've had a couple questions about what chamber volumes were available. For example, the 10 and 20 milliliter volumes can be too high can we fill the volume to half or less? Or you know, do you have alternative chambers for other volumes? I think you might have mentioned this, but Aaron, if you could clarify that point. Yeah, sure. That's, that's a great question. And we do get that asked many times. We can make some custom, custom size chambers, but to answer the question a little bit more directly, with the 10, 20, or even 50 mil chambers, just because that is the maximum you can put in those chambers, but you can have, using the software, as I mentioned, you can just simply input the volume you want. And as long as you've calibrated the system with the pressure source that you're using, you can just put any volume up to the max in there and just hit enter and it will just fill right up. Perfect. Kesari, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good point because sometimes you have drugs that are really expensive and you don't want to use... 20 mils or whatever of these drugs. So if we fill the chamber less, less, we just want to make sure that our tissue is still completely um, immersed in the solution. Great. Thanks. Somebody's asked, what is the maximum force that we can measure with this system? 
And can we use isophonic or isotonic force transducers? Aaron, maybe you could answer this one. Yeah, I was able to mention this in the presentation, but we get asked all the time. So the force transducers, the isometric or isotonic, those can go, the range is 0 to 1600 millinewtons, which is approximately 0 to 160 grams. However, each type of transducer is programmable, so you can narrow down the range that you're looking for data. Basically, what that will do is provide a little bit more sensitive data. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.